we're slow growing because we're difficult, and we're difficult because we grow slowly. And that's how we're continuing it on this. Um, and so what I'd like you to do, do, do y'all have a, uh, he said you had a little card that has the four Gs. Can you go ahead and try to find that? If it's on, on an arm near you, or, or it, you can do this in your notes. <clears throat> if you are one of those people that has like, you know, a notepad or whatever, or you take notes in your iPad or whatever, um, your phone. I'd like you to do something for me. Um, I'd like you to, I'd like you to write down something on the back of that card or in your notes. All right. So I'd like you to write. Um, so I'd like you to think about. Uh, and there may be many, many, many ways that you are difficult, and that you grow slowly. All of us is true. Um, but I'd like you to think about one. Uh, think, think of kind of zone in on one in particular. Uh, a way that you grow slowly. A way that you find you're difficult. Um, and I'd like you to write that down on the back. Because all of us, we, we all have one. So how are you difficult? In what area of life do you tend to grow slowly? Can somebody throw me a pin? You have a pin down there? Oh, thank you. Awesome. What? <laughs> awesome. Free stuff. Swag. Pins. Okay. Yeah, I'm hip. All right. I'm, I'm actually going to do this too. Okay? I'm not making you do this. I'm going to do this too. So I'm writing down some way that I'm difficult. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. But I too am difficult. So... take you guys long. You must not be very difficult. You guys must grow rapidly. All right. Now, one time I um, dreamed I was a piece of plywood. I'm not trying to be weird. This is real. I'm telling you the truth. I dreamed I was a piece of plywood. And I, have, have any of you ever dreamed you were an inanimate object? Yeah, it's okay. Tell the, I, I came out no? Okay. Somebody did, and you're just not telling the truth. I, and it was weird because I could see the plywood in my dream. I, was in two, I had two perspectives. I, I could see myself as the plywood from a distance, like I could see myself from the outside. And I could also feel myself being the plywood, like I was a piece of plywood. And you're like, why were you dreaming about plywood? I used, to be, I used to be a skateboarder. Are there any skateboarders in here, former skateboarders? Anybody ever been on a skateboard, ever owned one, ever seen one? Okay, yes. Okay, good. All right, so, well, I was really, really into that. Um, not only that, but I was into building skateboard ramps. Okay, so, you know, this dream that I had, um, you know, Ecclesiastes says that with a busy mind comes lots of dreams, right? So... I think it's, or it's Proverbs, one of those two says that. And I, that was obviously on my mind. So when I think about this dream, I'm reminded of a time in my life uh, when, when I was younger, you know, late teens. 
And uh, my brother and I, my younger brother and I, we, we really got close during this time. We got close because we both shared this love for skateboarding. I mean, it's, I mean, it's all we did. It's all we thought about. It's all we talked about. Um, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was, we ate, lived, and breathed skateboarding. And we did it all the time. Now, of course, I had other responsibilities. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was perfectly fine for me to shirk those responsibilities as long as it was for skateboarding. And he and I really bonded during that time. It was kind of during a time in, in our lives when, you know, it was, it was after the divorce of my parents. Uh, and, and so we, we kind of clung to each other, but maybe more tightly than we would have. Uh, you know, and I'm older than him. And so, so it was sort of like, you know, a big brother and I'm taking care of a little brother. You know, we're going to get through this. And then in some ways it was sort of like I was trying to be kind of like a dad, you know. And, and we did have a relationship, you know, with my dad at the time. But it was every other weekend, a couple weeks in the summer. And it was that kind of thing. And so he just, we, we, we weren't living with him. And mom it was great. I mean, she's a model mom, just the best ever. But, you know, she's a mom, not a dad. And, and so we, we were really feeling disenfranchised with our identities. It was, it was weird, you know. It's a, uh, we couldn't explain it. We didn't understand it. We couldn't articulate what was happening. But now looking back, I can see that that, that, was, that was why we, we clung to each other so tightly. And, and, and we became like best friends, more than best friends, uh, uh, we, we, we really relied on each other for, for just, uh, you know, a sense of, of, of kind of manhood, you know. We, we had to be men, the men, the boys, you know. But here we were, because we, we had a sister and we lived with mom, right? And, and, and as great as mom was, it's different from getting to, to be around dad. And, and, and me in my late teens, that's, that, that was difficult because I was, I was, I was encountering uh, things that, uh, you know, only teenage boys encounter that, and and I didn't have my dad there, even though he would he wanted to be uh, the way that uh, I felt I needed, and 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 younger brother was kind of doing the, going through the same thing. So, so what we did is we spent all our time skateboarding and building uh, skateboard ramps, and and so you know what we would do is we would get up, and especially in the summer, in the morning, man, there was nothing like it. Brewing a fresh pot of coffee. And the sun is kind of glimmering through. And the sun shone a lot. In, in, you know, we lived in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, kind of a dry area. With not much rain. Not a lot of clouds. And so, you know, you, you, you could wake up any given Sunday morning and just have the sun shining through the, through the window. And just brewing that coffee and smelling it. Walking out and the crisp, you know, sort of dryish air, you know, and hearing the birds... Uh, tweeting, and then over there in the backyard, a pile of plywood, and then a pile of two by fours. Because see, uh, my brother and I, we weren't just interested in riding the skateboards; we were interested in building the things you ride the skateboards on, which made us pretty popular in town. Because once some word got out. And there was a, it was, it was all word of mouth, because this is a kind of long time ago. Uh, we weren't, you know, on f- Facebook, and, and so I know my age is showing. We didn't. So it was all word of mouth, right? Well, the old-fashioned telephone, like, pick, it's on the wall. It's like connected to the wall, the phone with a wire, right? Pick it up, hello. 
guys would start, if, if, we, if plywood started showing up and a frame started being built for a half pipe, people would come out of the woodwork, out of the shadows, skaters poof, suddenly appear of all ages, of all, you know, every variety from around town. And they start sort of circling the house. I'm sure my mom loved this, these guys. You know, they did, driving down the alley, looking at, oh, well, they're building the frame. Guys skating by, you know, just kind of looking. And we would build this frame and, and then begin to put, you know, the plywood decking on. A half pipe is, is a ramp that goes up on both sides. Okay, so it's got like a flat bottom and then it's got a, a little transition uh, that, that goes up into, usually, if it's a full vert ramp, it goes to vertical. So then you've got something that sort of resembles half of a pipe, right? It's a little stretched out, but it's sort of like that. And that is what we would do together. And so the smell of, of new plywood to this day, it just gives me a shiver. I love it. I like to go into the hardware store, smell two-by-fours. I like the way wood smells when it's been freshly sawn, you know? Is that the right way to say it? Sawn? Sawed. Whatever. And the memories of my brother are dear to me. Um, you know, working in the hot sun, uh, wiping the sweat off of our faces and drinking iced tea on our breaks and just, just the joy of building something that was going to be useful. And it was going to be useful not to us, but it was going to be useful to a bunch of, you know, friends who would come around and ride our ramp someday. And it was the joy kind of of, of tackling a, a project. Having a job before us, having something that, that we saw a value we wanted and having to take steps to get there. I mean, you start with a pile of stuff, a bunch of bag of screws, and then you, you work, you, you, you order it, you put it together, and then it it becomes useful. But there is something that always stood in our way. And it was, it was a little bit of a problem. See, it, was all, it sounds like all fun and games, but there really was a challenge to it. Plywood does not bend very easily. Plywood doesn't... Plywood comes flat. When you go to the store, you buy it, you know, you get it delivered by a truck, it's flat. It's in a stack, and, it is, and it's made to be that way. It's designed to be flat. The only thing is, a skateboard ramp is it has a flat part, but it also has a curved part. Hence the problem. Okay. So what we have to do, what our challenge is, is that we have to get this plywood and we have to make it bend. We have about an eight foot transition, or radius, kind of a radius, eight foot radius of a transition from the flat to the vertical. And it needs to be smooth. Because you can imagine if you're riding a skateboard, you don't want to hit bumps and ridges as you're, you're riding. That's, a, that's, a, that's undesirable. Okay? You don't want that. You want it to be smooth. All right? So plywood, it, it, and you can imagine an eight-foot radius is kind of tight for a piece of plywood to bend. That's a problem. Plywood doesn't want to do what we want it to do. We've designed it for this. We have the plans for it. It doesn't want to do it. You push it down, let go, it pops back. There it is, flat again. And it's just looking at you like, yeah, 
what? So, that, so there's the challenge. And yeah, you could take the plywood and you can turn it sideways, right? And, and it will bend because of the way it's made. So, so like a four by eight piece, kind of long. Uh, it, and if, you, if you bend it short ways, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bend. But that doesn't really work for strength. For the purpose of strength, a, a, a ramp would have two or three, well, have at least three layers of plywood if it was going to be strong. And only one of those layers would actually be laid on the ramp horizontally so that it would bend easily. The other two would have to go this way, vertically. So you're still left with that challenge of doing it. So what I'd like you to do is look at your, look at your answer here that you wrote on, in your notes. Look at your, kind of flipped it over. I've, I've got mine here. Um, now, I'll share mine in a minute, okay? I don't mind sharing mine. But, but what I'd like you to do is uh, without, now you don't have to uh, divulge, you know, details or whatever. Um, but in general, what I'd like you to do is I'd like some of you to share out. Oh, no, yeah. But some of you are brave souls, so you'll do this for me, okay? Um, what I'd like you to do is just, just share, out, share out why you believe why, not, not what you're difficult in. You don't have to, unless you want. That's up to you. Um, but, but why you think you grow slowly? I mean, why do you think, you know, you, you looked at your little card, this is what you're difficult in, this is how you grow slowly. Why do you think that is? Anybody? Okay, prideful. Prideful. I'm going to write that down. Casper, prideful. No, I'm just kidding. I just want to be able to remember in case I want to go back to it. All right. <clears throat> Pride. What? Yeah, stubborn. Ooh, like a piece of plywood. Selfish. Selfish. I just want to lay here and be a piece of plywood. Leave me alone. Selfish. Or I want to be made into something else, not a ramp. Okay, I like that. Selfish, okay? What else? Fear, okay? What will I be like if I'm bent? Ah, fear, okay? What else? Patience. <laughs> you're difficult because you're patient? Because you're not patient, okay? Lack of patience. You're impatient. I mean, we are impatient, not just you. All right? Any, any others? This is good. This is, this is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you all wrote something, and, and you guys are kind of telling me why. Uh, but why is this? I mean, why, why are we finding ourselves afraid of, you know, being bent, so to speak, formed? Why, why, are, we, why are we finding, why are we selfish? Why are we looking to ourselves instead of... Um, to our design. Why, why are we stubborn? Why are we being stiff-necked, to use a Bible term? You know, why are we impatient? Why are we prideful? Why is this? I think we can find that in Genesis. We've been looking at Genesis a lot, and there's a reason for that, because that's the beginning of the story. Can we go ahead and put that up? That's the beginning of the overarching story of the Bible. It's the beginning of God's story, and it, it explains every other story. And the reason it does that is because it is the original story, and it starts in Genesis. It starts in the beginning. 
Okay, so what we're going to do is look in Genesis and we're going to dig into the word of God and find out why this is true of us. Why is it that we're like this? Okay, so, and, and this is kind of a long uh, section. I mean, it's not that long. But I, I'm going to read it slowly because we really need to pay attention to this. We've heard this so often that we're going to be familiar with it. We're, 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 not gonna, we're gonna have a hard time really catching something new out of it. So let's, um, actually before I read, why don't I pray and ask the Spirit to, to open our ears to actually hear the word, okay? So I'll do that. Father, um, I ask uh, you right now that by your Spirit, uh, you will, through your word, uh, you will show us uh, your Son, your Son Jesus, uh, through your Word. We know that if we see your Son, we will see you. If we know Jesus, we can know you. Um, please help us to uh, hear this without contempt for things that are familiar, uh, that you would actually illuminate uh, by your Spirit the words uh, that we read and we thank you for it. I believe that it is life-changing uh, as we read it and believe it. Uh, in, in your son's name, amen. All right, Genesis. Uh, this is chapter 3, uh, verse 16 through 23. Um, let's see. To the woman he said, <coughs> excuse me. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of, of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden, out of the garden of Eden, to work the ground from which he was taken. All right, so we started out. Now, uh, we, we're going to keep, let's go ahead and uh, go ahead and go back to the beginning of that and keep that out in your, in your Bible. Uh, I don't want to just read that. I actually want to kind of go through that a little bit and sort of let's, let's kind of section that off. Let's, let's put some uh, little, let's highlight some areas here and kind of figure out what's actually going on here. Uh, because uh, what, what we find here is the reason why we're having, why, why, we're, why we're impatient, why we're stubborn, why you're difficult, why we grow slowly. Okay. Now, we're not just going to end here with the problem. There's a great solution, but we need to know what the problem is. We need to understand. Just like uh, my brother and I understood that the problem was that the plywood had a grain to it. And the grain was uh, lengthwise on the plywood. 
And that is why it wouldn't bend very easily because the grain was going a different direction than would make it easy. So understanding the problem helps us get closer to the solution. We figured out some things that we could do about that. So what, what really is our problem here in Genesis? I mean, we find out that, that, we find out that things have gone terribly wrong in the garden. Okay, last week Luke told, uh, explained to us uh, about how things were right. We were created in the garden with God to, to have perfect relationship with him and to work it and to enjoy the fruits of that labor. We would not be frustrated. Work would be a blessing. It would be, uh, it, it was part of our identity is that we were given this garden made in God's image and then we would do things like what God would do. We would t- care for things. We would uh, uh, cultivate we would, uh, and, and the Bible even points out before the fall of man that the garden has gold and onyx and precious metals as if those things would sometime, at some time, point in time be harvested and things would be made out of them. This is where we were. Things were not frustrated. You would frustrate, you would put forth effort and it would work. You would see the fruit of your labor. It would be an effort, but it would produce something. That is how we were created. And Luke did a great job last week of pointing that out. But things have gone terribly wrong. Now, having children is not going to be easy. Not only is it going to be painful physically, but it's going to be painful mentally and emotionally. Sorry, kids. Listen, we were all kids, okay? I'm not trying to... I know you're in here, some of you. And it's not all... It's not all bad. It's all good, right? But this is the truth. Listen, kids, if, when you're parents, you'll understand. Raising children doesn't come easily now. The great commission, the first great commission that God gave mankind was to fill the earth, multiply, and be fruitful, and fill it with people. And that would be the way that God would fill the earth with his glory. Image bearers everywhere. And when you, when you were raising your children, it, you would put forth effort and then you would see the fruit every time. So you probably didn't have to tell your uh, son or daughter to pick up their underwear out of the bathroom, out of the puddle of water that it's in. Shake off the Hot Wheel cars out of it. Flush the toilet. Wipe the seat. Clean up the toothpaste off for the 55th time this week. You wouldn't have had to do that. Your training would, would really produce fruit of your children. Mm, not so anymore. Not, not without frustration. And then working the ground. Uh, making things grow. Not as easy as it used to be. It would be you would be met with frustration. You, you would try things and it wouldn't work. You try something else and it doesn't work. Try something else that doesn't work. People work jobs now that they don't like. People work hard and don't make enough money. People have good ideas and they never come to anything. This is what it looks like now. Things have gone terribly, terribly wrong. And why is that? Well, it's because Adam and Eve, mankind, we saw a 
line that God drew for our protection. And we thought he drew that line for his selfishness because the devil lied to us and said, this is what God, God's withholding. God is not good. Okay, he's not, he's not giving you everything you need. You need to reach out for something else. You need to look elsewhere. Here's this fruit. It will give you wisdom. It'll give you self-rule. You'll be wise, well, in your own eyes. And they thought it was more important to have wisdom than to be with him. Sounds like I have a list to be with. Wisdom, okay. They thought it was more important to have God's wisdom than to be with him. That's what they were looking for. To know something that they felt God was withholding. That's what the Bible says. It says they reached out. For, it, was, it was delightful to the eyes. It looked good. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So they wanted to be wisdom. O- only problem is, in doing that, they actually reached out for folly. They actually, it was actually foolish. In reaching for this wisdom, they actually did the foolish thing. Why is that? Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It's interesting. The fear of God wanting to be with him. Placing him above wisdom and knowledge is actually the wise thing to do. So, so in doing that, you, you have wisdom. But if you reach elsewhere for wisdom, you're actually getting a lack of wisdom. You're getting, folly. You're getting foolishness. And then you're one of these people that, that uh, Proverbs says that fools despise wisdom and instruction. You actually despise wisdom and instruction. So what Adam and Eve did is they despised wisdom and instruction. And they believed a lie about God that he isn't good. And he's not for them. He's against them. Why is our grain against his? Well, because we're wise in our own eyes, right? We're, we're wise in our own eyes. We think that we know something. We are prideful. We believe that God wants to oppress us. Now, of course, we won't say that with our words often, but with our actions, we, we say it. God's rule is oppressive. It's not good for us. And so what are we left with? When, God, when we rejected God's rule in the garden, and, and then we've each individually rejected it, what did God leave us with? It says in Genesis... Um, let's go back to, let, Christian, can you go to like verse 20 or somewhere near the end of that where it says the man called his wife Eve and, yeah, know that? yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah. It's a mother. Um, all right. And then the next one, it says, this is interesting. The Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil. What? So they did get some kind of knowledge. Yeah. They, now they, they sinned. <laughs> They understood firsthand rebellion. I mean, that's... And now 
it says, lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And he says, he, he expels them from the garden. Said they have to leave now. Uh, so they're left with what? Their own rule. They wanted it. And now we have it. Now we have it. And now we see the effects of it every day. The effects of being in charge. Oh, isn't, it, isn't this the life? It's good to be king, right? I mean, look at the mess. Not only of our world, and we look in the news, but in our lives. I mean, what? I heard a preacher once say, and it, it was really funny to me. He said, uh, he was talking about something else, but he said, your best thinking has gotten you where you are today. Congratulations. <laughs> it sounds good, but when you start to examine your own life, you realize, Ooh. you kind of wince as you look, as you kind of review the different events of your life and the decisions you've made and the results of those decisions, right? Yeah. So that's what we're left with. That's why. We rejected God's rule, and so we, we got to live under it. All right? But God is good because he immediately begins to take care of the problem. He immediately begins to remedy the problem. Immediately. In this passage. Right there. Or the one before it. <laughs> he makes for them garments of skin. He covers them. Immediately in his mercy, he reaches out and he does something to cover them. And get this. The fact that he says, I'm expelling them out of the garden lest they reach out and grab that fruit that, uh, or uh, the tree of, of, of life and live forever. I'm kicking them out. It sounds like a really bad punishment. That's actually a mercy to them. Because he wasn't going to allow them to live forever in their fallen state without him, without his presence. So they have to die. And they are expelled. Because, and they can't be in his presence now because of sin. God's presence because of sin becomes very, very dangerous to us, to mankind. We can't, um, we can't remain in his presence. Okay, So it's a mercy that he has expelled us out of his presence. Now, God's already, he's already got a plan in mind. He's not caught by surprise. He's like, oh, no, now what do I do? As a picture of Christ beforehand, the very first picture of the gospel in Genesis is his taking an animal, sacrificing it so that skins can be made for them to wear, to be covered, to cover their shame. A picture Right there in Genesis of what he would do with his son. His son would be the perfect sacrifice. So for my brother and I, solving the problem of bending plywood, we had to go to great lengths. We had to take great care. Okay? And believe me, we tried not doing that. I mean, you know... We tried soaking it, and then, and then it would lose the, the glue and the lamin, lamination of the plywood would kind of uh, soften, and so we'd stop doing it. There, there's some, uh, a technique you can do where you can slice little 
uh, ridges in it and, uh, you know, with a saw, you know, uh, 16th or 32nd of an inch or something, very little, and then it helped that bend. But that, but that um, compromises its strength, you know. We, we tried pl- putting it up, you know, and then like jumping on it, you know. You know how well that went, you know, crack, creak. Any time you, you get like a crack in it, then that's where all the stress is going to automatically go to. And it's, gonna, it's not going to go to any of the rest of it. So the rest of it, that doesn't matter how strong it is, if you've got a crack, that's it. You know, you throw it out. So that, that just, that impatience, it's, that didn't work. It took a method. It took, it took patience and it took care and it took time. So we would lay the plywood up. We'd have the flat built and so we'd have something to lean it on. Lay it up and then and we'd work together. You know, One of, the, one of us would, would press a foot down. You know, We've got two by fours going uh, horizontally you know, to, to use a drill and a screw to attach them to. Right? Push down. And then do the first row of screws. And it would be really tempting to just like kind of tack it up. And just to see what it would look like. But that would put the, the it would make it unbalanced. It would put more uh, weight over here and less over here. And there would be like a bubble. So you really had to go from the bottom and move, move your, your way up. One at a time. And then, and then foot would go up to the next level. And then we'd put the screws, you know. And we liked playing around with each other. Sometimes I would screw a screw in and then drill it back out again real fast and ask my brother to hold it. Here, hold this. And it'd be like hot, you know. He'd be like, ah! You know, just fun. We just had a good time doing this, you know. And we got really close having to work together. And we'd get frustrated with each other sometimes. You know, I'd be like, you know, what? Push, push harder, you know. You're sweating on me, you know. You stink. Didn't you wear deodorant, you know. So we're brothers, so we can talk that way to each other. But eventually, we would get that piece of plywood slowly but surely to bend and to take the shape and the form of, of, the, of the frame. And that plywood would actually be that form permanently. I mean, it, it, became, it actually became permanent. Now, for a while, there was a great tension, though. A, a great tension between the plaque, because you can imagine, those screws have to really hold. It's kind of like a spring waiting to pop off, right? Well, we have that tension too. We have that too. Paul describes it. It's not up here. I'm just going to read it. Maybe you can identify with this. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Does that sound like anybody? Not... Not off in the distance, close at hand. Evil lies right there when he wants to do right. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Why? Because I have the Spirit of God in me. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. That's tension. That is, I'm being bent, but I want to come off. No, I don't. I want to be a ramp. I want to, I want to uh, function as I was intended. No, I don't. I want to be a flat piece of plywood. Leave me alone. I was happy when I, when I was in the stack of wood in the store. 
slowly and surely over time, the wood would take the shape of the ramp permanently. And I know this because there were times when we would move houses and we would take the ramp apart because we weren't wasting that thing. We weren't giving it away either. We'd take it apart and we would put it on a flatbed and drive it to the next house and prop it up there. But when you take that plywood off, it doesn't, after t- over time, after riding it and, and, and weather and, and it being attached for so long, when it comes off, it's still curved. It's, it's now the shape that it needed to be, and it stays that way. It doesn't just flatten it, and it doesn't matter how long you lay it there. It doesn't ever go back to being flat again. It has changed. It's become something different. It's become new. It's become a curved piece of plywood. The thing we thought was impossible in the beginning, we see is reality. So we understand why we're difficult, but what do you guys think the solution is? <clears throat> and I'm asking you for real, so I want you to share out. You know, you wrote down that you're difficult. Some of you, you said... Uh, Impatient, you're prideful, you're stubborn, you're selfish, uh, you're fearful. Um, And so what do we do? What's the solution? What do you think? Anybody? What fixes it? What? Surrendering. Okay, surrendering. Okay. Okay, crash. All right. He's not. All right, surrendering. So, hmm. Yeah. What? Confession. Ooh, that's good. So, surrendering is, I guess that's basically saying, okay, um, it's sort of like I give up, but in a good way. It's like I submit to my design. I agree, even though I know it's not going to be easy, I, uh, I'm not going to resist. Mm, yeah. Confession. Admitting where you are. Confessing sin. Not blaming. Adam tried to blame you. That's what we do, right? He's like, yeah, this, this woman, he blamed God first and then blamed Eve. The woman you gave me, she gave me the apple or she gave me the fruit, whatever it was. <clears throat> so confessing is kind of the opposite of that. You're not blaming anymore. You're taking ownership of it. Yeah, what else? Trust. Did I hear that? Right? Trust. Ooh, Yeah. That's, that's true. Now, imagine you're a piece of plywood. I know that's hard to do. But you have a design that's made for you, and you don't know, you don't know what a skateboard ramp is because you're a piece of wood. Um, you're being told that you're going to be built into something. Uh, you, that takes quite a bit of trust, doesn't it? You know, you're like, I, what? Wheels, ramp, I don't know. So, I mean, that's the same way it is with us. God's design for us is so much greater than we have any idea of. I mean, 
It's inconceivable to us. Uh, it's understandable. We can conceive of it, but it's not. We can't fully understand it. We we really don't know what it's going to be like when we are, um, it you know, in heaven when when all things have been made new and we we have a glorified body and and, and there's a new heaven and new earth. What are we? What's that? It's really hard to conceive. So so it's it's difficult sometimes to trust. To trust that God has a plan. And that that plan, it's not a reactive, responsive plan. God has not gone, gone oh no, what are we going to do? Okay, uh, plan B. Uh, oh no, plan B messed up. Okay, the plan C, you know. All, like this plan, that's what we kind of think of. That's what I used to think when I was a kid in the Bible, you know. Plan uh, A was everyone would be perfect. Woo, that didn't work. Kick them out of the garden. Plan B, oh, the ark. Let's uh, flood the earth. Oh, man, that didn't work. They got evil again, you know. All right, plan C, we'll bring Jesus. You know, that is not how it is. And, the, and I want to prove that. Let's put First Peter up there. This is, this is why we can trust. This is why, this is why we can trust. Okay, he, has, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Who he? Christ, Jesus. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. I want to get to the rest of that, but I just want to talk with uh, the first part about he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Wait, how? What? I thought that he was the response to the problem. No, no, no. He was foreknown. That means you were foreknown by him before the foundation of the world. Okay, so this is all, God's got his plan written out. Psalm 139 says that too, that every day is, is written about us in his book before it even happens, before it's even lived. It's been written. So it's foreknown. It's, it's, it's a plan. It's a plan before we ever existed. We can trust a plan like that. Okay, so um, let's see. Well, what else? I mean, let, let, we're, we're moving in the right direction, but I want to I go from trust a little bit. What does that look like? I mean, how does that work out in everyday life? How do we actually trust that his plan that he made from the found, before the foundation of the world is actually good for us? That it's not bad for us? How does that look? What do you think? Anybody? Go ahead. Vincent. Promises. It looks promising. Okay, good. It looks promising. Ooh, that's good. Promises are important. That's part of the plan, right? If we don't have promises, what do we trust? What are we trusting in? Chance? Fate? No, we trust in a promise. That's good. Tyler? Okay, looking to something else. Somebody else's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Trustworthy. Someone with a proven track record. 
someone uh, who knows more than you, someone who is wiser than we, someone who has knowledge we don't have. Now, you can imagine the, the amount of knowledge that we have over a piece of plywood is pretty astounding, isn't it? I hope. I mean, in general, with very few exceptions, we know a lot more than a piece of plywood does. That's how it is with God. The Bible says that his ways are so far above our ways, it's like the sky is from the earth. I mean, that's how high it is. We can't even imagine that. Could a piece of plywood, an inanimate object, understand what our plan is for it? Mm, No. Now, we may not understand God's ways because the Bible says we really can't. They're inscrutable. But we can understand his character. We can know his character. How do we know it? From this right here, his word. And what are his word, what, who's his word about? His son. And to know his son is going to know, it means you're going to know something about God the Father. You're going to know him because you have, you can see his son. That's how. So he has wisdom that we don't have. So we can't be wise in our own eyes. Uh, Adam and Eve, they reached out to be wise in their own eyes. And then, and then so... And we've done the same. And so we're left with really basically folly. But Jesus did the difficult thing. See, Jesus wasn't difficult the way that we are. Jesus lived a life on this earth. This is important for us, especially when it comes to trusting. How do you trust someone with a a proven track record? Well, you need someone with a proven track record first. And Jesus has just that. He has a life that's recorded for us in this book, in the scriptures. A real man who walked the earth, living a real life in history, and it was a good life. It was a perfect and pleasing life. He trusted his father. He was patient. He completely conformed and surrendered to his father's will for him. Even though there was tension. How do we know there was tension? Because he was tempted in every way that we are. That means he had a flesh that didn't want anything bad to happen to it. But he obeyed it perfectly. He has a proven track record. Now that would be all uh, fine and dandy if... Uh, But then what would we do with that? So what? What does that have to do with me? Well, the Bible tells us that we were crucified with him. What? If we put our trust in him, that means we died with him. If we died with him, the Bible says, what does that mean except that we were raised with him? To be raised with him means to be raised into his what? His life. His character. The Bible also tells us the same power that raised him from the dead is what gives life to our mortal bodies. Meaning now we actually have actual power. It's not just example following. We actually have power by the spirit of God to obey. 
to renew our minds. Repent has a means to turn away, but it also means to change your mind about things. Change your mind about what? About who God is. Because when you sin, you believe a lie about God. You believe he isn't good. You believe that he is oppressive, that his rule is bad for you. The Spirit of God, through his work, can change your mind. And your mind will be changed. Just like that piece of plywood is curved forever. Your mind is changed forever. And there's no changing it back. But there are times, though, when we revert back. Isn't that right? When we, when we, we go back to... Um, well, we forget, we forget who we are. There's this song uh, by, by this uh, couple uh, musicians called, I think, they're, what are they called? Ellen Owen. Is that, does that sound right? Ellen Owen. It's like the two names stuck together. And they've got this song uh, called From Where I Fell, I think. And it says, it says, will you remind me who I am when I act like someone else? So sometimes we act like someone else. And we need reminding of who we are. So what about, that's, how, that's neat. That's neat for us, the church. Here we are gathered together on a Sunday morning. And we are thinking about these great truths about who we are, our identity in Christ. But tomorrow, uh, on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday throughout the week, um, what is that going to look like? I mean, how can we love each other and our neighbors? You know, you notice in, in 1 Peter, he says, um, he says that by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Like that's, that's what it's for. The obedience to the truth for what? For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly. So community. It's like there's a purpose for it. We're going back to, so the, the, the Great Commission in Matthew, by the way, the one that says, go and make disciples of all the earth, that's actually the second Great Commission. It's just redeemed, and it's in Christ. Go and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, just like he said to do in Genesis. Now, in Christ, you can do it, because you didn't do it right the first time. Israel didn't do it right the first time. Israel, the Son of God, the Bible calls Israel, didn't do it right. We have not done it right. Jesus does it right. We can do it through him. So community. I'd like to ask you guys. I know I'm asking you to share out a lot, and it's weird. I, I wanted to, uh, I planned that when we were in that little nice cozy room back there where we could all be close. Now I'm up here like miles away from some of you. Uh, but I want to do it anyway because it's really helping, helping me. Um, so I'd like you to kind of share out a little. How can, um, what does that look like? How, what makes us difficult and grow slowly when we're in community? What is that? How does, what do we do that kind of stifles the growth, makes us difficult in community with each other? Yeah, isolation. We run from community, right? Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we don't want to bend. We're not flexible. Yeah. What else? Yeah, we don't serve. We don't want to. We don't want to be. We're not willing to be a part of a, of a of a bigger thing, bigger than us, right? I mean, a piece of plywood's no good sitting by itself, but all of them put together, 
and with a design made something useful and functional. And that requires that we surrender our will to God first, but then his will for us in community, which is that we would serve one another uh, and that we would uh, we'll basically be functional and not dysfunctional. So serving. Yeah. What else? Afraid to, Afraid to be known. Okay. Yeah. All right. What else? Vincent, I'm sorry. One more time. Compassion. Incompassionate. Or, yeah. Okay. Yes. Good. Afraid to be known. Incompassionate. Afraid to be authentic? Yeah. Yeah. Afraid to be... <clears throat> we don't want to be known. And, and, and really, Christian community uh, went on its best day, on a good day, the way it's designed, should be the place where sinners would want to go. They would want to go there. That doesn't always happen, though, does it? It often becomes a place where they do not want to go. Why? Well, because we're not compassionate often. Or we, we're not authentic. We're not real. We have plastic smiles. Nothing wrong with a smile, but not if it's plastic. Uh, we, we, we isolate from each other. So they don't see when they look at us a picture of, of, of who God is or a picture of heaven. That's what Christian community actually is. It is a picture of heaven. It's not a perfect picture. But it is a picture of what heaven is like. So that often, that, that really messes us up in, uh, with our neighbors and, and in the city uh, also, doesn't it? I mean, it messes us up in community because, uh, well, for one thing, we're judgmental. We judge each other. We walk around with planks in our eyes, right? And, and, and Jesus says, judge not that you, that you not, be not judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, use it, the measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, it's really hard to grow if we're not doing that, because what happens is not only do we not grow, because we, we're, we're obviously not seeing this giant log in our eye. And so we're not growing. But we're not helping each other grow. Because I can't see to take, clearly take the speck out of your eye. Because I haven't removed the log out of my eye. I'm judgmental. Yes, we're supposed to judge between right and wrong. But judge here means the guy or girl with the robe on and the gavel. Who pronounces innocence or guilt? And who has the power to acquit or the power to say guilty. The person who has the power to pronounce a sentence, that's the judge, and that's not our job. So we do that with each other. We don't grow. We actually hinder growth. Yeah, well, what about uh, mission? What about in the city, loving our neighbors? We kind of touched on it a little bit. How, does it, how, how are we difficult and slow when it comes to loving our neighbors in the city, in our, in our social networks, and in, in, in physically our neighbors. 
How does it, how does it hinder us? Silence. That's a good one. All right. So we are silent. <clears throat> We're not talking about Jesus or the gospel. Okay, that's good. What else? We're not, ref- we're not reflecting Jesus. Okay, that's good. We're not reflecting him when we're not reaching out to people that he would. <clears throat> Jesus is um, one who goes out. Jesus is one. He, not only did he go out in the earth in his life, but he, the son of God, left glory and came to this place. Fallen this place. This place would have been an awesome place to come before the fall. But he came here, entered, got into skin and bones and flesh and temptation. That's the great length that he went to reach us. And when we're not reaching, when we're not going, then we're not reflecting him. And really to reflect Jesus is to image God. That's all that is because the Bible says that Jesus is the perfect imprint of the character of God. So to be like Jesus and to walk like him is to image God. That's why we have his life to look at. And so, yeah. So when we're we're silent, complacent, um, lazy, and we won't venture out of our Christian community in order to get around others, who are not our Christian community, then we are not reflecting him. And we're going to grow slowly that way. And we're thinking, of our, we're thinking of the Great Commission at that point the way Adam and Eve did. Which is, well, we, we, did, we ignored it. Right? Because God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And they were like, yeah, we'll just take wisdom instead. We want to be in charge here. Well, the really cool thing about plywood, you know, like I said before, is that um, after it's been shaped, it stays it stays that shape. And the hope that we have, I mean, the hope that we have is that we are changed forever. So when we love each other in our communities and when we go out in mission into the city, now we don't go in our own wisdom. We don't go in our own wisdom anymore because our minds have been changed. How? By the power of the Spirit through Christ and through the washing of His Word. We become different. And now we function along with everyone else, interconnected. The church, the community becomes what it is meant to be, which was that that community that fills the earth and shows the world what God is like. It fills the earth with his glory. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples. Fill the earth. And then when Jesus left, he gave us his spirit. He said, it's better that I go. Because now you have the Spirit. Now my presence is everywhere, all the time, anywhere. 
And it's in us so that we can now walk as Jesus walked. We actually can please God. We can obey him. We can be conformed. We can be different. We don't have to rest in the fact that I'm a sinner. No. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Yes, we have a sin nature. But that's not our identity. Sinner is not our identity anymore. Image bearer of God is our identity. Carrier of the good news to people is who we are. Meant to restore relationships with each other as human beings and to God. We have the ministry of reconciliation. That is our identity. And so I can put down sin. Yeah, there's tension like Paul talks about. And I don't want to and I want to and I want to. But then he ends with praise be to God through Christ, my Savior. He makes it possible. So every day I'm going to look a little more like Jesus. Every single day. The Bible says from one degree of glory to another. The Bible doesn't lie. His word is true. Until he comes back someday and we're with him in glory, we will look more and more like him. And some of you condemn yourselves when you look at your lack of growth. And the worship team can come out now. How do you like my segue? Smooth. But some of you condemn yourself. Now, when Jesus said we're not to judge, he also meant we're not to sit in judgment against ourselves. We are not the ones who acquit us of sin. We are not the ones who condemn us either. We're not the ones who save ourselves from sin. We're not the ones that pronounce guilt or innocence. Only God does that. So some of us are looking at our own growth going, I'm not growing. I look dead. I look like these trees. Some of them are blooming, yes. But in the winter, did you look around at the trees? They look dead, don't they? There are no leaves on them. They're not dead, though. They're, they're alive. There's life in those trees. There'll be seasons in our life where we don't see the growth happening. And Tim Keller, uh, he, he did a really good job in a sermon I heard of his likening Christian growth to a tree in that you can't really watch a tree grow. I mean, you can if you want. Have fun. Sit down, watch it grow. Will you see it growing only with a time lapse, right? If you don't see it grow, how do you know it grows? Because it's taller this year than it was last year. I can measure its growth. I can see the trunk is wider now. I can see the branches are longer. I can see that in the spring, I see leaves and fruit. Oh no, I don't see fruit right now. That doesn't mean I'm dead. Maybe I need to be pruned, fertilized. God says that we water and we fertilize. But he's the one that makes it grow. He does. And when you have the spirit of God in you, you will grow. You will. So let me pray and ask God to help us with these things. And then we'll move into a time of worship and a time of communion.